0: So today I was planning to talk about the first jhana. And then I and then tomorrow I was going to talk about um playing and working in in any jhana but also out of any jhana or playing and working in and out of any jhana. And then I decided actually I'll combine those two really because they kind of interrelate as two themes, so first jhana, as well as playing and working in and out of jhana in general as one talk um, and then after that, the teachings will get a lot more a lot less dense, so there'll be a, a bit more breathing room in terms of how much material is well uh, l- should be a lot more breathing room in terms of how much material is coming at you um. It's slightly complicated by the fact that I have a hospital appointment tomorrow, and I have d- no idea how long that's going to take. So I hope that it won't be complicated, that I can go there, come back, and finish. If I don't finish today, the second part of the talk, um, maybe I'll maybe we'll finish today. Maybe it will have to get bumped till the day after tomorrow. Maybe I can come tomorrow. So let's let's see how we do. But just so you know that. Forgetting something. No, okay. Okie doke. So, first jhana and playing and working in and out of any jhana, really, uh, mostly. So, first jhana. I've read this already. Is the the, the Buddhas um, start with the simile? Just s- just as a skilled bathman or hi- his assistant kneading the soap. Powder, kneading the soap powder, so working the soap powder, which he has sprinkled with water, forms from it, in a metal dish, a soft lump, so that the ball of soap powder becomes one there's an English word here, I don't even know what it means, I think it means one oily mass, bound with oil, so that nothing escapes, so this practitioner suffuses, drenches, fills and irradiates their body, so that no spot remains untouched. Uh, and fills and irradiates, suffuses, etc., their body with what? With this, I have to re with the piti and sukha born of detachment. Detachment from what? Detachment from the hindrances. That's what detachment means in this case. So with this, it's funny, if you look at older translations, there's all kinds of different... Uh, translations of pt and sukha so i'm going to spend a little time on some pali words uh, today but so with this pt and sukha born of detachment detachment from the hindrances or sometimes the seclusion from the hindrances withdrawal from the hindrances uh, she so suffuses drenches fills and irradiates her, her body that there is no spot in her entire body that is untouched by this delight oh here we go by this pt and sukha born of born of detachment Okay, so the soap simile is really a simile for what we do with the pt and sukha Suffuse, saturate, steep, drench, irradiate, pervade, permeate, all these words. Uh, we do that with the pt and sukha With the piti and sukha translates best, I think, as, let's say, happiness, I would say. Um, in the first jhana the p t is the primary quality i 'm going to come back to this. The sukha is there, and one is definitely one is definitely not unhappy. One is conscious that one is happy, but actually, even the consciousness that one is happy, very very happy, might be a little bit in the background one 's more kind of uh, taken by captivated by, and should be uh, concentrating on the p t the p t is what is m- foremost in consciousness so when uh, in other so the Buddha has these similes, and other times for each jhana he, des- he describes them in terms of their factors, what's called jhana factors, jhana and in Pali. And um, so piti and sukha, two Pali words, they're two of, the fa- two of the five factors of the first jhana. There's five factors in the, in the first jhana, piti and sukha are uh, two of them. Another one is ekagata, and actually it's a factor of every jhana, ekagata in Pali. Um, This usually gets translated as one-pointedness. I've already touched on this. It cannot, it absolutely cannot, there's no way that it can mean putting the mind in a small spatial point. Now, you might do that. In fact, you probably will do that at times in a jhana if you're playing with this probing, receiving, open, uh, directed, Shifting of the modes of attention, but it cannot mean one-pointedness in in a spatial sense, because it's a factor of, as I said, the fifth jhana has that fact. How could it, which is infinite space? So this, you realize, there's a complete contradiction, right? If you if you take it as a spatial point, it doesn't make sense, right? So what does it mean? Eka one. Uh, in the Sanskrit, agra, and ta is just a, a ness on the end, is one, I can understand why it's one-pointedness. It's, it's something like a mountain peak or a prominence. Okay, And of course, so, some mountains are quite pointy um, like that. But what it really, what's best translated is something like, I think, one thing is prominent. Eka, prominent-ness. Okay, one thing is prominent. So, what is that one thing that becomes prominent, that people argue about this? Is it the original meditation object? Is it the breath? Is it the body that becomes prominent, the sense of the body, or is it the piti? I would say that in jhana what happens is they all get mixed together, as I said, one becomes: I'm breathing piti, if you're still with the breath, if the breath is still there, or the body has become piti. Or it's just the PT is what's prominent. So I would say the PT is what's prominent. It's in 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 a way it's then it's the most. In a way, it's the most significant factor of the first jhana. Let's say that. So PT is the thing that's most prominent to consciousness. It's not that other other things, other aspects, other dimensions or, or no other aspects of the jhana won't come into consciousness, they will. But the the, m- the most prominent thing, and what should be the most prominent thing, is the piti. Okay, so piti and sukha, two factors, Ekagata, a third factor. I'm not saying these in the order they're usually presented. Then there's two more factors which get to in Pali, vitaka and vichara. Now most of you, will pr- if you've heard these terms before, any translation, you will hear You you will have heard translations initial and sustained application. Who's heard that before? Really, really common. Uh, That's certainly what I uh, was taught for many years. Um, My original meditation. One of my original meditations. I was originally taught by a group of teachers. One of them was a professor of Pali. Is a professor of Pali. So not professor of Buddhism. Not even a professor of Theravada Buddhism, but a professor of Pali. Okay. So that's his thing. And he said, that's not what it meant at the time of the Buddha. At that time, that's not how those words were used. Vitaka and vichara just meant something like thinking. It was a double, in English, do we have a kind of double verb? You always say this and this. (laughs) No, but I mean, as a phrase, it doesn't matter. So it was a stock phrase in Pali, and it just meant thinking originally. About 500 years after the Buddha in Sri Lanka, um, a guy, a monk called Buddhagosa wrote a book called the Visuddhimaga, which translates as the path of purification. In some Theravadan countries, it's regarded as a Bible. It's really revered, this book. And and in some other countries, much, much less so. Uh, The story goes that he... Actually, it was a compilation. What he did was interview lots of meditation masters, take what they had. Um, I heard this obviously secondhand. I wasn't there. Um, take what take what they gave him, threw out what he didn't like, although he himself was not much of a meditator, threw out what he didn't like, burnt what he threw out and kept the rest. I don't know if that's true, but I've, I've heard that. <laughs> um, anyway, he, I think, if I... To history is right, he translates it, and Abhidhamma, which is a kind of um, sort of uh, technical, psychological bureaucracy of Theravadan Buddhism, also translates it as initial and sustained application. But at the time of the Buddha, that's not how those words were used. There are okay translations, actually, to a certain extent. At a certain point in your practice, if you, if you keep those translations, it should occur to you this doesn't really make sense once you get into the other jhanas, But it's okay. And at a certain point, they stop kind of making much sense. But to a certain extent, it's really okay. So initial application means bringing my mind to whatever it is, the breath. I bring the mind, the initial application, sustained application, means in the sense I stay there and I probe it and I, and I, I become intimate with it. So that's usually the explanation that's given on vipassana retreats and on, I guess, quite a lot of jhana retreats. One of my main teachers, Ajahn Jeff, translates them as directed thought and evaluative thought. It's a very different translation. And what he means really is um, uh, attending to whatever the object is and thinking about it. So this is in the first jhana, thinking about the breath, thinking about the energy body, thinking about the well-being or the pleasure. What would help right now? What, what would be helpful? How should I shift my emphasis? How should I view the breath? What way of looking should I play with? Um, and relates the word uh, vichara, the second of those terms, to, dhamma, to vichaya, which is some of you will know. The part dhamma vichaya is the second factor of the seven seven factors of awakening, the investigation. So there's a kind of investigative thinking about that's going on in the first jhana. At least I would say, at least sometimes. Okay. So we've got, for these two terms, we've got the possibility of the most popular translation and interpretation, initial and sustained application. The second one is just thinking. And the third one is directed and evaluative thinking, which really means this kind of creative, like, what's what's helping right now? How should I play with this? Which shall we choose? How? Do, what are we going to do here? Our do you want to know what I think? <laughs> 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 I think forget about it. <laughs> forget about those terms anyway. Just throw them out. Th- 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 it doesn't make any. Of course you're going to be initial and sustained application. Of course you are. Just don't worry about it. If you're thinking about the meditation, great. You know, and that, and we've talked about that. If you're working with PT, great. It's fine. Um, I think. It I think, is actually not that helpful. There's all this argument and tussle about it. And um, again, it's like, what's actually important here? I could say, at times, the first jhana can include thinking about how the meditation uh, is going, what's helpful, etc. But thinking, it's not the kind of thinking, I suck at this. (laughs) I bet everyone else in here is in the eighth jhana. I just should go home. Not that kind of thinking, okay? It's, if there's thinking, it's about what's happening, it's a very subtle, kind of responsive, intelligent, um, connected thinking about the practice. Maybe, like, like, people ask me as a jazz musician, do you think when you play, you're know, improvising, do you think, or is it, it's like, well, yeah, but it's a different kind of thought. I'm not sort of pondering long sentences, or a painter really in the, in the flow with their art. Are they thinking or not thinking? Well, there may well be a certain thought absolutely in part of the part of the flow we 'll come back to this later when we talk about deeper giants because one question we have is what is a thought anyway we 'll come back to that um, so i would I would for what it 's worth my f- two cents on this is is forget about it, just get into it, just get into it, and this whole what does that mean will take care of itself, just get into in this case, get into the p t enjoy it. Um, get intimate with it as much as you can, uh, the fullness of, of connection with it, spreading it, really opening to enjoying it, seeing how much you can enjoy it. If you just do that, don't worry about, is there thinking or, just get into it more, and that it becomes a non-question, what, what it really is. And then even in the second jhana, as you move to the second jhana, so one of the, in a way, factors of the second jhana is the dropping away of thinking. So it's a kind of a factor of an absence, if you like. Um, But if I'm checking, am I thinking? Have there been any thoughts yet? Or if I'm measuring um, how long I've not been thinking, or whether there's been thinking, or if I'm trying not to think, um, this, this, I would say, is not such intelligent practice for a number of reasons. One of which, I've put I'm putting my emphasis on the on the least significant factor, the least helpful factor of the second jhana. The least helpful factor of the second jhana. I'm going to come back to this, obviously, when we talk about the second jhana. So, I think I've said already, um, I think, or well it, seems, it seems from m- m- my experience teaching, that if you can get to the first jhana, I used to think, then actually all the jhanas are available to you with with a lot of work. Um, so if you can get to the jhana, you can master, in the sense that I uh, mean it, you can master all jhanas. It will take a, a long time, and a lot of work, and a lot of dedication, but it's possible if that's the sort of thing that you want. I actually would like to revise that, and I mentioned this, and actually say, if PT can arise, you can do all that. If PT can arise, there's no reason you can't um, attain the first jhana, and, and then and then have all the jhanas. So actually, the arising of piti is sh- should give you a lot of confidence. It's saying, the road is clear, it's open. All you have to do is walk. Yeah, it might be hard at times. It's a long way. You're going to need a lot of ingenuity. You're going to need a lot of dedication. It's open. There's nothing in the way for you. That road is open. Who's heard another Pali word, Nimita. Oh, quite a lot. Okay. So, do you understand by nimitta something in the context of jhana practice, something like the appearance of a visual, a luminous visual form with some detail in it that you can then concentrate on that will take you into jhana? Yes? Okay. Again, the Buddha never used that word. Um, He uses the word nimitta, but never, never, ever in that way. Again, it comes from the Visuddhimagga, etc. Um, in English, it's often translated as "counterpart sign," or it is in the old translations. I'm not even sure how it's tran- how it's translated now. Um, in the Pali Canon, meaning in the in the words of the Buddha, he does use that word, but more he uses it as object of perception. Any object of perception in, in, in meditation is an imitator. Sometimes, I think he uses it as um Uh, in a way that would translate as something like theme, a theme of meditation, I think. Um, In the Mahayana teachings, and it's the same word in Sanskrit, nimitta, it has the additional meaning of ground or base, and that's connected with emptiness teachings and teachings about groundlessness, etc. So it had quite a different spin than in Mahayana teachings. Um, Sign, though, is quite... We can use that word, so I don't mind using it. It's fine, I don't mind if you want to use it, but I would like to use it in a slightly different way, as sign. So that's usually the translation. Nimita means sign. Um, and it's, what is it? It's a sign that the samadhi is deepening. Any sign that samadhi is deepening. So the arising of piti is a sign that samadhi is deepening. The arising of sukha, of happiness, is a sign that samadhi is deepening. The arising of a really kind of... Um, almost otherworldly, pristine, uh, pure, luminous stillness is also a sign. Uh, the arising of the perception of space as a very clear perception is a sign at different levels that the um, samadhi is deepening. Some people get uh, get also, for instance, um, the meditating, and then at some point it's it's almost like a, 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 w- a white golden light is very common, like white golden suffused light or kind of cloud of light in, in the mind. Sometimes some person's not sure, they're meditating and, the, and they're like, Did the sun just come out? Because it, everything's just got very bright. So, this too, that white kind of light, um, uh, is also uh, a sign that the, the samadhi is deepening. But the primary nimitta, in ab- again, the most important thing. To put the attention on, and the most important thing to, uh, for w- around the ho- around which the whole practice converges, in the t- in the first jhana the primary thing is is uh, the n- sorry the primary nimitta is the pt. If you want to use that word, okay. Um, the second jhana the primary factor is the sukha the happiness. We'll come back to that. So in the first jhana, in order to, his piti has arisen through one, one way or another, however it has arisen. Um, in order then to kind of consolidate it and move into an absorption in it, in which is the first jhana, what, what do we need to, uh, what nee- what needs to be there and what do we need to do? So these are some of the things I, I want to address. Um, what kind of work, what kind of play? Um... How strong does the PT have to be? I think I've touched on this already. There's a huge range in terms of the intensity of the PT that's possible, massive uh, range. But it does need to be strong enough. It does need to be strong enough um, that it's definitely pleasurable before I can start working with it and and trying to take that PT and kind of uh, mold it, shape it, allow it to open and take me into, into the first jhana. It needs to be strong enough which doesn't necessarily mean, you know, blow your head off. Um, it also needs to sustain long enough. I think I said this yesterday, did I say that? Yes. So it needs to be around for, let's say, two or three minutes, at least, without, without going away. And two or three minutes, strong enough is definitely pleasant, then it's ready, then I can decide to take that as my primary object and really get into it and work and play, and there's the possibility that that moves into the first jhana. So, I mentioned, I think I also mentioned this, it's, it's good to uh, review it though. Um, in the first four jhanas, they call rupa jhanas, which translates sometimes as form jhanas. Rupa, rupa has a few different meanings, but let's say form. What's happening as we go through one, two, three, four, is the perception of the body becomes more and more subtle. So that the happiness of the second jhana, it might be a super intense happiness. It might be a happiness I've never experienced so much joy in my life. But it's still as an object, it's more refined than the piti. Piti is relatively speaking gross, like it's a coarse object, like a coarse cloth compared to a really fine cloth. So that's not the same thing as intensity. Do you get the difference? in the third jhana the, pe- the, the the particular kind of peacefulness that arises in the third jhana is is really very very subtle that's part of its beauty and it's more subtle than the happiness of the second jhana and as you're pervading saturating suffusing this is one way of saying what's happening is these primary ni- primary factors primary nimittas, the pt the uh, sukha the um let's call it peacefulness for now, of the third jhana, the stillness of the fourth jhana. The body becomes them. They become the body. What's my body now? I don't have a sense of organs and solidity. So the usual solidity that we have of the body, hard bones and all that, and organs, etc., is more gross than the solidity, the refinement uh, of of the pt, which is more gross than the Sense of solidity or refinement, if we can even call it solidity, at that point of the happiness. Which do you get the sense? There's a there's a spectrum here of increasing refinement or subtlety of the perception of the body. And because I've drenched a few saturated permeate, that my body has become peaty. My body, breath, all that has become happiness. And there's a spectrum there of more refinement. When you get to the fifth jhana, the, the any sense of form of body has disappeared. And it's just space. In a way, that's ultra-refined, right? It's like nothing. Um, PT is important, actually, in, in many ways, and it's one of the things I want to emphasize. It's important to keep it around and keep our access to it, and keep it as something that we consider lovely and consider a r- as a resource. Even when I'm, I'm working in my play, my playground has become the seventh or eighth jhana or whatever. Sometimes what happens is we go into those formless jhanas when that's what you're working on and then you want to come back and I want to skip back from the 8th to the 3rd or something like that, or the 4th. And and the body vibration of stillness that's characteristic of the 4th or peacefulness that's characteristic of the 3rd, I can't find it. The whole perception has become so ultra-refined from the deeper formless jhanas, that I, I can't find what I need to find to enter the fourth or third jhana, because I need to find that particular vibration, that particular uh, bandwidth of refinement that is characteristic and prominent of the fourth or th- fourth or third jhana. So, what can really help is that actually just go all the way back to the piti, the first one, and get that going a bit, and then the third or fourth will help, uh, will be more accessible. So uh, again, wha- what I want to say today has a, uh, is not just uh, about the first genre; it's about working and playing in general. And so, y- a lot of what I say will be um, relevant to whatever whatever stage one is at. Will be relevant in years time, etc. Um, sometimes it's possible uh, that the PT, in particular, is an acquired taste. Um, we're not actually sure how keen we are on it at first. So that's definitely possible. It's actually possible with any jhana. Uh, that, that It can be we just fall in love with it right away and uh, uh, feel its loveliness, feel it as a resource, um, are super excited about it. Um, or it might be that it's an acquired taste. So this could potentially be for, for any jhana. What's an interesting thing that happens, I'd say, with the majority of people, is that when they start working on the third jhana, which is this very peaceful, exquisite um, sort of serenity? Uh, that's chari- one of the main characteristics of it. Then, when you go back to the first jhana and the piti and all that, uh, it feels so coarse, and one becomes a bit of a snob. Uh, so wha- I don't want—I don't <laughs> want anything to, to, to do with that. Um, Because relatively speaking, it's actually quite gross um, relative to the third jhana. Still, I would say, in the context of the whole of jhana practice, um, we want to keep it. We want to, again, I might have to re-find my enjoyment of it. I might have to re-feel it as enjoyable and, and pleasurable. It's an interesting thing. Sometimes, and this is actually quite common, if a person, if a practitioner has done a lot of insight meditation practice, the order in which they experience the jhanas is is not one, two, three, four, etc. Mostly the way insight meditation practice is taught is, you know, be mindful and things come up, watch them, let them go, watch them, let them go, watch them, let them go. In that being aware, being mindful, and letting go—what am I cultivating there? I'm cultivating a kind of equanimity. And so, what happens with many, many insight meditation uh, years of practice, retreats, etc. One has actually kind of developed a groove in the chitta towards equanimity. An equanimity in maybe not a jhanic state of equanimity, but maybe some kind of I need to explain something later on about different kinds of equanimity. We'll get to that at another point. But basically, equanimity is is a common uh, hanging out place for the mind um, that's done a lot of insight meditation. And then what happens? One goes on a jhana retreat. and One wants to learn the jhanas. But what might happen is it just goes straight to, if not the fourth jhana, something akin to that, or one of the form, one of some sort of a quasi formless state where maybe where the senses are open because. There are states that are like infinite space or infinite consciousness, but they're actually not those jhanas. The senses are still kind of. I'll explain the difference later, but uh, there's something akin to the four, five, six, for example. Um, and it's actually quite hard for that person to get PT, because again, PT is too agitated, and the mind has this groove to equanimity. So they find themselves in some state that's. Maybe not the fourth jhana or, or whatever, but maybe near enough that actually, maybe this is the sort of thing I usually work out in an interview with a person. Maybe it's good if we start with the fourth jhana. We take that stillness that you've got and we really hone it and and uh, get it very consolidated, very bright, very powerful, and then master that, and then go backwards. So the order of mastery doesn't happen one, two, three, four. I feel like I've said that very clumsily, but does that make sense? Yeah? Um, so a lot of you have done a lot of insight practice as well. It's, it's interesting. Um, it's just something to be aware of. There can be this real, almost that like habit towards equanimity, and sometimes that habit can be both entrenched enough, but also powerful enough. In other words, that that you keep finding yourself in a territory that's closer to the fourth. If my larger view is, uh, well, let's say something else, sometimes a person skips the second jhana, which is characterized by a lot of happiness, and there may be all kinds of psychological reasons for that. Or the PT, you know, of um, just a bit resistant to that. We touched on this yesterday. Um, in terms of the arupa jhanas, the formless jhanas, again, doesn't necessarily go five, six, seven, eight. For me, if I remember back, I think the sixth one was easier than the fifth, and I kind of was trying to do them, learn them both at the same time. And um, but certain minds, dependent on their inclinations and experience and trainings, will will find different of the formless jhanas also easier than others. And maybe it's okay to. I don't think anyone will find the eighth jhana easier than others, but maybe it's okay to um, follow the order in which things open up for you. But I retain my, uh, my vision of where are we going with this. So it's like a. It's like, um, you know, imagine a, a sort of square, a Chekhov square, for mastery of, of each of the eight jhanas. Can I really hang out and sustain? Can I marinate? Can I get it at will? Can I jump around from it? And you got okay. Eventually, what I want is to look at that square for each of the eight jhanas and all those mastery skills, and just have them all ticked. The order in which that ticking happens maybe doesn't matter so much. You understand? So it it kind of depends. Now I haven't so far heard that from anyone on the retreat, but it's I encounter it quite commonly as as a, as a teacher. Um, the past tendency and experience in meditation, groups of meditation, actually very much affect what opens up when and in what order. But we do want this differentiation. We really, really, it's so, so important. This is this, and that's that. This is the second jhana, and that's the third jhana. This is the first jhana, and that's the second. This is piti, and that's sukha. whatever it is. Um, It's part of the, the cultivation, the development of sensitivity. Without that differentiation, as I said, something will kind of grind to a soupy, squidgy, halt at some point. It will be nice, but the possibility of really deepening insight will be will be limited. So each jhana to the next jhana is is kind of like a quantum leap. It's kinda like I'm in a different realm now. And and mostly that's the that's the experience. There's a there's a you know what a quantum leap means? It means there's nothing in between. Here's something and here's something and it's not that there's anything in between. I'm just here and then suddenly I'm here. Y- yeah? quantum leap. Um, mostly that is the experience. They are discrete, quantum, quantumly differentiated states. But sometimes it will seem to you as much more of a spectrum. Like ac- no actually it is a continuum. Sometimes it will, exp- it will be experienced that way. And we can also view it that way. But I would say uh, it is really important to have this discrete sense of, of quantum, leap, quantum leaps between states. okay um one really large point which I mentioned i think in uh i don't know one of the one of the first two talks um rather than am I in or out of a jhana, can I just be thinking about jhana practice it's a it's quite a different shift, so that means for instance the hindrances are part of jhana practice the place when i'm not sure whether i'm in or out it doesn't really matter the place where i said those terriers were sort of i can just hear them yapping maybe they feel m- they do feel distant they're on the edge of the consciousness is still jhana practice okay and if i have that view it's going to be much much more fruitful much more intelligent so i have this view of a big picture of jhana practice which includes a huge range of territory of experience, not just these uh, sharply defined so-called eight jhanas, but the whole territory, the gray areas, the I'm clearly in a hell realm now, Um, the the whatever, even the, the way I walk around outside which I'll come to in between formal sittings, it's jhana practice. Because I'm walking around outside in a different way than I would if I was doing a Mahasi retreat, a Goenka retreat, if I was just hanging out, if I was on my way to work. So this is, this is huge, actually, this view. Um, so what that means is there's work, as I said when I introduced the talk today, there's work or play, depending on your favorite word, in and out. On and off the cushion, but also in and out of jhana. What's quite common the first time you enter an what's a new jhana for you, let's say the first time you hit the f- first jhana or the second jhana or whatever, what's quite common is that it seems completely effortless. First maybe few times, the in that in that new realm. You've made that quantum jump and it seems completely effortless. There's no the idea of working there or doing something or playing with something seems just a million miles away it certainly doesn't it certainly won 't even occur to you um, if if you haven 't been told about it, but if you 're really again if you 're really marinating if you 're just skipping through jhanas really fast you won 't notice this you 'll miss um, almost you 'll miss ninety nine percent of what 's valuable about jhanas you 're just skipping right through and it 's like it 's like like i said skipping i 've seen the Taj Mahal, I went there, and I pointed my phone at it while I was looking at something else. If you hang out, if you really marinate, if you really start working and playing and bringing all your sensitivity and intelligence and awareness and openness and getting really intimate and getting to know them, after a few times at a new level that you've broken to, you start to realize, oh, there is work to do here. Or there is play to do. There's lots to do. But it's very, very subtle. We're talking about very subtle work play, mostly. Um, Yeah, definitely, mostly. so if you still feel it's a completely effortless state, where you can't do anything, it's actually that in your, you're in some kind of unconsciousness. And it's not its not going to be very helpful. It's not going to deep. It, it's not going to be very helpful in your life, etc. So sometimes, uh, then, then the work begins. OK, I've had my little holiday of this new level. At this new level, and then the, the work and the play begins, and I get used to this very. But what is it for the mind to really work in the most delicate ways, to really play in the most delicate ways, to learn about this jhana, to consolidate it, to deepen it, etc., to learn about its different uh, spaces, levels, textures, aspects. It can also be the case, and it commonly is the space case that. Um, when, we reach a new, when consciousness reaches a new level, when the chitta reaches a new level, it's a bit like a dam bursting. The first, again, the first experience, the first jhana or the second jhana, it's as if water has just, a dam has just uh, you know, broken apart and the water is just gushing through. It's, it can be very, very intense. And then again, as I get used to that jhana, uh, it seems to get less intense, the experience, or, or, it, or it often can. So what do what work, what, what play, what's involved there? Um the principle of moving between these modes of attention, the, the probing, the receiving, the, the wider, the, the narrower, etc. And um, that's part of the work. Again, it's quite subtle, but it's part of the work. There's something active in a jhana. Um, there are other modes of attention that's possible. You know, I could wrap the, the jhanic quality around the body and Dissolve it in, or dissolve my body out. uh, There's many things. Play, find find modes of attention that work. So you know, creative. Even if I say, um, savor, you know, whatever is the primary nimitta, the primary factor of that, that like the pt in the first jhana, to really relish it, to really savor it, actually involves a kind of active work. It's not just uh, if I really want to relish it to the max. I actually have to play with how I'm relating to it. So there's an acronym that some of you who have met over the years with me individually uh, have heard. Um, What do I need? When I'm in a jhana, I need to know, what do I need to do now? As I said, at first it's I don't do anything. I'm just there. It's going along. I'm going along on this momentum of the water through the burst dam. I'm not doing anything. I'm just like, wow, 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 wow. Um, after a while you see oh hold on there is work to do etc what 's the work that I have to do what 's important and what 's not important because what 's important tells me what work I have to do what 's not important it 's not part of the work that i have to do so there 's a is acronym the right word when you have like initials for yeah sassy sassy s a s s i e s a s s i e so I'm not just sitting there, I'm I'm doing something. Don't just sit there, do something. Isn't that the name of a book? No, it's the other way around. <laughs> Don't just sit there, do something. Sometimes. Sometimes you can go into non-doing, but it again that's really in the in the larger context, just a mode. It's just a mode. So, Sassy, S A S S I E. First, S stands for suffusion, as the Buddha said, suffusing, saturating the whole body. So this is one of the things I'm working towards. Once the PT is there, I'm working towards make sure, or can I encourage, can I help the whole body space to be su- completely, homogeneously suffused and saturated by this, by the PT. At some point, it will be suffused and saturated. Okay, it's just done. And then. That job is done. There is nothing more to do. It is done. What what else am I going to do? It is suffused and saturated, right? So, it is done. And we have talked about ways of of playing with that, and what to do when when it does not quite work. Uh, The A, sassy, the second one, A. A for absorption. So, um, sometimes, I do not know if you have had this experience, sometimes it is almost as if the PT can feel, or whatever it is, the happiness or whatever, can feel almost like in front of you a little bit, as you got the your chitta and body are here somehow, and it's kind of in front, uh, kind of or something like that. We're aiming to. Uh, can I get more absorbed in it? Can I put myself and put the chitta kind of more inside it, so I'm kind of uh, really uh, feel like I'm I'm in something. Now, to me, I would say that absorption, uh, there's no limit to it. There's no limit to it. So, <laughs> oh, I want to say something else about the suffusion. Can I we, can we say that then and come back to the absorption? Is that okay? Yeah, so um, when I'm trying to suffuse, I'm not looking, I'm not like looking, feeling around my body, which spaces are not, don't have PT. That, that was almost like turning your attention to the negative a little bit. Um, uh, it's more like, just uh, don't take it away from the PT, you know, and look or oh, obsess with what's wrong. Just let the let the PT spread. Spread it out like you're spreading, you know, jam on toast or whatever. Um, rather than attending to the negative, remember how that that subtle uh, that subtle inclination of mind to, towards negativity, towards what's wrong, towards not quite good enough. So, eventually, as I said, um, when we become more and more familiar with PT and more and more familiar with moving in and out of the first jhana, um, the PT will be spread every time. It's just normal. And eventually, when we're more and more familiar with it, uh, with the PT. As I mentioned yesterday, and I put a lot of emphasis on this, we can start, if we want sometimes, to, to see pain, to play with perception, so we see pain as PT. That painful area in the body, I see it as PT, and, and it's therefore pleasurable. You can do that wi- all the way through the jhanas. So I could see the same painful spot as happiness, or stillness, or nothingness or whatever. Not Again, Not. I don't think the 8th jhana, but... Um, now, it's not, when I say that, it the p- what's the point of that? It's not like, oh, that's a pretty handy thing, that can come in useful if you're on a uncomfortable on a long bus ride or, or whatever it is. Um, yes, it, it might, but that's not really the point. And it's certainly not the point to try and, li- oh, now I can do that, then I can live a pain-free life. Um, that's not the point either. The Buddha had plenty of pain, I have plenty of pain. Um, That's not the point. The point is, it's telling me something about the malleability of perception. It's telling me something about the dependence of appearances and experiences on the way of looking. Dependent on the way of looking, there's this experience. Dependent on another way of looking, there's a different appearance, a different experience. And when I understand the emptiness of all things, in other words, that, that all appearances, all experiences do depend on the way of looking, when I really understand that, it empowers, or rather it tells me about, that means that perceptions are malleable, and it empowers my, uh, my ability to, to be malleable with perception. So I said, y- I think it was yesterday, I said, this is the most significant thing. This is the most significant thing in the Dharma. This is the most significant thing, uh, or it's more significant. I think I said it's more significant than is this th- is this a correct jhana? Am I in or out of that jhana, right? I said that, yeah. It's the most significant thing, but it's not our primary emphasis or intention on this retreat. So as a practice modality, it's secondary. In other words, just play with that a little bit once you are familiar with PT and another jhana factor. It doesn't become like the main practice. So philosophically, and in terms of its implications for our life, and our understanding, and our liberation, it's the most significant thing. In in the context of jhana retreat, it's a secondary practice, just something you can play with now and then. Do you understand the difference? Okay. Uh, So back to the absorption thing. can it be the case that we can be so absorbed that we don't hear sounds, for instance? You don't hear the birds chirp or sing or whatever it is. And um, the sense doors close. Um, again, th- the Pali Canon, the Buddha s- doesn't describe the first four jhanas that way. Um, the Visuddhimagga does, I think. Um, Sometimes in the Pali Canon, the Buddha says that happens in the f- formless jhanas, in jhanas five to eight, but s- other passages, the Buddha doesn't, doesn't say that. He describes them with the senses still open. So, obviously, the Vasudhimagga is an improvement over what the Buddha said, right? Well, hold on. Make sure you don't have a notion of heresy. Or do you have a notion of heresy? Because some people approach Dharma as axiomatically, from the beginning, whatever the Buddha said is true and right and the authority. There's actually probably, I don't know what percentage of Buddhists approach Buddhism that way. So how are you doing with that one? Is it possible that someone who lived after the Buddha could improve on the Buddha's teaching? What's that? I, I would say exactly the same thing. Why not? And, but I really mean that as a question, an actual question. If you think it's not possible, why? Why is it not possible? How are you thinking about the whole thing that, that something like that becomes not possible? In every other field of human endeavor, there's the possibility of improving on what went. So, Newton, Einstein improved on Newton, who improved on Copernicus at the moment they're saying, well, there's maybe something wrong with Einstein's theory we're going to need to improve on that pretty soon so that's just an interesting i'm not going to go into i've talked about it in other situations but let's if we say if so either either you just have the buddha's right and then it's not a question how do we decide about do the senses close do i hear the birds or do i not hear the birds so if you decide the buddha's right you hear the birds okay if you decide it's possible that someone could improve on the Buddha, then it's a bit more open. If you ask me, did anyone in the history of Buddhism improve on the Buddha, or on certain aspects of the Buddha's teaching? I would say, yeah, I think Nagarjuna did. I think he took what the Buddha kind of um, uh, said, kind of uh, a little bit, but didn't expand on too fully. If you know the Kachayana Sutta and the middle Middle Way between existence and non-existence. All, to me, it's all there in the Pali canon, and Nagarjuna took it and really expanded it and worked it and took its implications, and to me, really, there's uh, an improvement. I'm not thrusting this on anyone, but just if you ask me. How are we going to decide about this one? Is the Vasudhimagga saying your senses close, you can't hear the birds, is that an improvement or not an improvement? I mean, it certainly, is, we're talking about better absorption, right? More intense absorption, because you can't hear anything. Must be better, right? More is more. More is better. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Um, Again, I'd like us to use our intelligence. If we're going to say it's better, why is it better? Why is it better that more absorption is better? And that will connect, again, back to what I was talking about at the beginning. How am I thinking? How am I conceiving of the whole jhanas? How am I conceiving of awakening? And how am I conceiving of the jhanas in their place to awakening? So why is it that more absorption would be better? If if ha You have to kind of explain the whole, what are we doing? Where are we going? What are we doing with jhanas? And you can, there's, there's, there's conceptions that, again, conceive of jhanas as like, yeah, it must be like, if I really get this laser beam attention, then that's better because insight arises from a laser beam attention that can dissect momentary reality into that super fast momen- momentary passing and arising of the aggregates, and that's ultimate reality. And I've seen that through my laser beam attention. If I think that's the ultimate insight, We've, I've been through all this, I'm not going to repeat it, but d- is more better? What is the fruit of that more absorption? And again, it's again, can turn things around. Hang out with people who have that degree of absorption, or who say they have, or, or whatever. Hang out with them. Learn about h- how they are, how their life is, how their insight is. Talk to them about deep insight things. Is, is, does it bear fruit? Or what fruit does it bear? So, absorption. I would say it's, it's infinite. However absorbed we are, again the question here is: What work? What am I trying to do in practice, in this moment, in this jhana, what or with this PT? What am I trying? I'm trying to get more absorbed, but it's n- I can never reach the end of that. Someone says, "Oh, I didn't hear the birds," and another person says, "Oh, well, uh, someone was sawing off my neck with a chainsaw, and I didn't feel anything." It's like, okay, that person's better than that, but it doesn't matter. What's the fruit? But basically, in terms of work and play, it gives us a direction. And however absorbed I am, I can be more. But I don't need to worry so much about it. It's just a little bit more. It's not like, do I have it, do I not have it? Is it, is it a genre because I can still hear the birds? It's not that question. It's just, it gives you a direction that's open-ended. And that, in a way, takes the pressure off. And it, and it avoids this whole question of, do I have it, do I not have it? Do you understand? So the work with that one, when you're suffused in the first S, it's just done. I've done it. Okay, I don't have to bother about it. With this one, it's just a constant kind of part of the creative working and playing. Is it possible to get more inside it? Is it possible to get really, really into it? Uh, and it's open, but it's, so it's a direction that invites subtle work and play. But it's not something I'm going to fret about. One day it might be better than the other. It doesn't matter. Okay, S A. Two s's in the middle of sassy, um, sustaining, sustaining the um, piti, or if in the case of the first jhana or whatever is the primary nimitta of, of whatever jhana you're working in, and sustaining the attention on that, on that. These two, as well, I would say, uh, they're infinite, um, and they're infinite in their possibilities. So, however much we sustain. Uh, we can always increase the sustaining, and if you look closely enough, and I don't want you to do this at the moment. If you look closely enough, you you, you can see that there's micro nanoseconds. Even if I'm so sustained, the attention is so so sustained. I just have to look at it in a certain way and see that there's micro nanoseconds where it wasn't. But don't do that, and I'll explain why at the end. Um, so it's but it's a direction I'm working towards. Okay. Okay, this is right now what I need to work on, really sustaining, really keeping the mind on this subtle object, on this refined object. Um, or if it feels like there's gaps in in the PT again, if I or the happiness or whatever. It's if I look at it closely enough, I will see gaps. Yeah. So Again, it's not something it's something to bring a little more discernment, intelligence to. And it's just it's just however sustained those things are, they can be more sustained. So I'm working. They're a direction of work, a direction of play, as opposed to a achievement thing and a definition thing. I define it was it wasn't a jhana because it was all going great and then I heard one bird chirp. So at that at that second, there I was out of the jhana, and then the next second I was back in. It's all just its not that helpful to think that way. Just work on more sustaining. S A S S I. The I is for intensity. So, in this case, if we're talking about the first jhana, it's the intensity of PT. And I would say that actually doesn't matter. So, again, the tend- very common tendency would be like, well, it must be better if it's more intense, right? No. It actually doesn't matter. It has to be strong enough that it's pleasant. um, And and that's it. The intensity will vary over time, you will notice. You will also notice if you play with certain things, sometimes there's things you can do that build the intensity. Over time, with the first jhana, like, I mean, you know, a lot of time in and out of the first jhana, a lot of marinating, a lot of experience and skill developing with it the intensity will actually get less intense. It's like that mountain river that I was talking about. That's the direction of maturation, not more and more intensity. So there's a certain way that the intensity of the first jhana, um, A doesn't matter, and B will anyway, in its own time, uh, get less intense. Uh, S-A-S-S-I-E is for enjoy! Which sometimes I find myself having to say to people, it's almost like you want to meditate with a flashing neon sign that says, enjoy, 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 enjoy. Um, Sometimes uh, it's almost like you say, you know, it may be that if you just really seek to maximize enjoyment in the moment, over and over, with whatever ingenuity and creativity and play you want, that that will basically take you where you want to go, and whatever needs to happen will happen, just from the intention to maximize enjoyment. It's very different from, is this it, is this not it, am I doing it right, etc. But, how many times have, have I heard um, from, from, from uh, retreatants practicing jhana, how difficult it is to allow oneself to really enjoy. To fully enjoy, and how so often we, we notice there's something holding back, or something blocking, or preventing. And sometimes it's a it's a it's a, a verbal. We actually say oh, this this can't be right. This can't be. I don't know what they're teaching here, but it's not proper. It's not proper dharma, or whatever it is. Um, Sometimes, um, or more often, it's actually more an energetic thing. We actually just feel ourselves holding back or preventing or, um, and then doubt comes. Is this really okay? Etc. Sometimes it's because of one's past, maybe particular kinds of religious upbringings that kind of stress that you know, anything spiritual or religious can't, uh, has, you know, can't have enjoyment, have anything to do with it. Sometimes it might be our Dharma background. Our Buddhist Dharma background that has again encouraged um, a sort of uh, snobbishness around enjoyment. Um, again, all because of a certain certain views around what we're going, and then certain views that get kind of entrenched in terms of persona and all the rest of it. So, what this is so common. This is really, really common. What what needs to happen with this? Sometimes a person needs to actually inquire with themselves or with a friend or with the teacher or whatever. Actually, what are the views and what am I believing here? And what's actually at the root of this, um, this psychology, this belief? Perhaps more often, though, it just gets fixed without a big psychological process. It just gets fixed moment to moment. Okay, I notice I'm a little bit holding back. The last e of sassy. Can I just enjoy it? What would it, can I just this moment? Can I just find? Can I just really savor it and, and relish it? Can I just really open to it? So you're just moment to moment encouraging the enjoyment, and that is changing the psychological habit patterns, uh, the deeply entrenched psychological hap- habit patterns around enjoyment, around spirituality, etc. So more often, I've noticed it can be uh, healed that 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 pattern can that holding that prevention can be healed just just by moment to moment again and again i don't have to have a big psychological process about it but sometimes some people do it's really helpful to inquire into that so the work the play you know it's it's very um Labile. It's very responsive. It's very agile. What is the work play right now? What do I need to do right now? And sometimes it is enjoy what you have, enjoy what you have, maximize the enjoyment. Again, how how powerful that. Um, it's not quite good enough. It's not as good as it was yesterday. It's not as etc. And that micro uh, tendency of the psychology of the of the view to um, poo-poo what we have or to find fault, to look actually what, what happens is of everything we could pay attention to, something nice is going on, something that could be better, we pay attention to the thing that could be better. It's an it's inclination of attention even more than it is uh, of actual thought. No, this really isn't that good. That's quite a gross level. Sometimes it's just where the attention goes. I'm fussing over what's not quite right. So if I just, oh, just enjoy what you have, enjoy the good thing, that's a, that's sometimes that's the emphasis that needs to be there. So as uh, such a great gift in terms of re, re-educating, reprogramming the, the, the psyche. Over and over, over, these micro-moments bring psychological change. And at other times, um, you know, it's pleasant, it's nice, it's good, it's going well, the mind is definitely stable, Good feeling whatever it is p t suka, whatever, but there's just a slight, very, very slight dullness so what 's happening, not falling asleep or anything it's just it could be uh one one needs to actually bring more presence' We're talking very subtle, enough. bring more aliveness, bring more um alertness, one needs to actually exercise more experimentation and play rather than just sit there and it 's okay it's good um it's fine. Probe more, whatever it is. In play with that intensity up and down. Um, play with the modes of intention, etc. So sometimes we, something's pleasant. We, say, oh, that's good. But actually, what we need to do, for example, is now can I can I really ramp up the intensity of the attention in this moment and really penetrate that? Um, so often, as I said, this this business of intensity of attention, many people are not because you don't get taught that in school so we don't act we need to familiarize ourselves what what is it in this moment what does it feel like and how do i do it turn the intensity up for example but that will take me for in some moments to another level at other times it will be uh, more just you know the receptivity at other times it will be don't fuss with trying to make it better just enjoy it so what we need to do at any moment is a constantly shifting col- uh, you know shifting ground kaleidoscope etc What's quite common. I mentioned this, for instance, this uh, experience of light, of sort of white light or, or golden light. That's, that's pretty common. Um, I call that a secondary nimitta. It's a secondary sign uh, that the um, that the samadhi is deepening. And the primary one, again, if we're talking about the first jhana, the primary one is the pt. Um, so what can happen is the bright uh, that the bright light starts to get very interesting. Um, and the is there as well. So this is quite important. Can I blend them? Because the light is good and it's helpful and it's a sign, but can I mix them? So they're almost like, they're just two aspects of the same thing, two facets of the same uh, yeah, thing. Um, So that if I'm kind of probing, if I'm probing the P T, it's the same as probing the light. I have the experience that probing the P T is probing the light. And if I'm probing the light, because I can probe the light as something that will take me deeper into the P T. In other words, they're just they're aspects of the same phenomenon. If I can't blend them, then I have to be really sure what's primary and what's secondary. And the light is secondary. Just leave it. It's fine. It's fine. It's a good sign, but it's not the primary thing. The primary thing is the PT, and that's what I'm trying to really get into. But oftentimes it is possible to. Do you understand what I mean? Mix them together. It's almost like visually entering the light is the same thing as entering the, p- the PT, for example. We're doing okay, is it? Yeah. So uh, the second They're both referring to steadiness. One is steadiness of the attention. And one is steadiness of uh, the primary nimitta, the steadiness of the piti. In other words, that it doesn't go away for a second and or whatever and come back. Or if it's the second jhana, it's the happiness or whatever. So two kinds of sustaining. Yeah. Um, okay. So you know we could stop there, or I could try and finish today because I'm not like I said I'm not sure I'm going to c- I could be able to come in tomorrow. So. Is it too much or shall I just push on for now? Okay. Um, alright, we use this term mastery. Um, and all this is part of developing mastery. Mastery is not about measuring the self and kind of uh, getting brownie points and ego stuff. Uh, it's about um, working with the jhanas in a way that they're going to really uh, be most fruitful. So. Happens here. I am meditating now. I've gotten into the first jhana, and it's trundling along very nicely. And then something happens. I've just been thrown out of that realm. I'm not even sure what happened. I've just been ejected, um, uh, or it kind of was. our begin. It feels like it's losing power a little bit, and then uh, then it's gone. So after, well, actually, you can you can try this from the beginning. Once you f- once you feel like, um, okay, this must be the territory of the first jhana, sort of. When that happens, when you lose it, see if you can just remember it. Just remember back the first jhana, or whatever it is. Yeah, So just see if you can do that. It was a recent experience, it was alive, just remember it back. Just summon it back. It's a very delicate, light movement. Of course, sometimes you won't be able to, and you'll have to go back to your uh, Base or springboard practice, or if you're in another jhana, you might, you might find a, a jhana lower down or, or whatever. Um, towards the end of a s- so these are all things you can try. Um, towards the end of a sitting, if you're not completely out of energy, um, you could practice just a couple of minutes or whatever. Two or three minutes, five minutes. You could practice deliberately going from, let's say, you were in the first jhana or thereabouts. You deliberately go from there to, to a kind of more normal consciousness. You just drop, c- just come out of it deliberately. Spend some time there, a few moments, a few whatever, and then see if you can come back to the first jhana. Just jump straight back into the first jhana. So you're more deliberately jumping, yeah. All this, all this, what I'm gonna give you ideas to try it's all very light it's just it's just fun and games it's just play i mean it is part of mastery but you have to have a very light attitude to it you're just playing with perception basically playing with consciousness playing with realms um now we talked about walking meditation instructions right so should i just briefly go through that again if you can should i yeah um so you know again, all this applies to where is my where is my learning edge playground so let's say it's i'm I'm now getting used to the first genre i've been in and out and uh, and it's super exciting and uh, I'm into it so when I go to the walking period um I stand at, w- at one end of my walking path and i just see can i can i remember back the j- well actually um yeah let's say let's Let's say this. Can I remember? Can I go to the energy body? Remember back the first jhana, okay? And I just stand there. Maybe PT comes, and I just stand and uh, get into the PT and and work with it, suffuse it, etc. The same, the same deal. And I stand there as long as it takes, or as long as I want to. So I could spend the whole walking period just standing there, and it becomes a standing period. It's fine, okay. Or, after some minutes, when I feel like, okay, I've, I've there's the PT and I'm kind of really, yeah, it's really yummy, I'm really into it, whole body, everything, then I can begin to walk. And the question is, can I keep that focus, can I keep the, 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 the primacy of the PT around as I'm walking? And how fast do I have to walk to do that? So The interesting thing is, I might need to walk really fast, Or I might need to walk really slow, or I might need to walk... So I have to be really responsive to find what is the pace. All of this is responsive, sensitive and responsive. And I can stop anywhere on the path and get into the PT again, go to the end, take my time, however long I... Basically, I'm walking up and down in the PT and focusing on the PT, in that bubble, and enjoying and opening and probing that bubble. Yeah? That's basic walking instructions. We can come back to that perhaps. Now some of this what I'm going to put out now actually kinda you have to be a little careful with the pacing of when you try it. Um but after you've had um enough experience or familiarity with the first jhana and the PT, then let's say you're in the lunch queue and it's not your turn to dole the food on your plate you're in the lunch queue, and can I be there in the lunch queue and just just get remember back the PT and, and maybe even the whole jhanic state and maybe you get it back and then can I get into it for you know 30 seconds a minute and if it's a really slow lunch queue you can however, you know long? Or you're having a cup of tea in the lounge or the library? And just let me see, just can I find the PT.? Is it there? Can I summon it? Can I remember it? And then get into it. Or you're walking down the corridor here. Let's just see. I walk down the corridor. Let's see if I can walk down the corridor in the PT. Just remembering or summoning it very, very light. Or you're sitting on the toilet. Or you're lying down in bed before whatever. So what you're really doing is deliberately remembering the the state deliberately remembering the perception actually and and the subtlest of intentions the subtlest of intentions to recall it so y- you have to be you have to have enough familiarity with the pt and the jhana for this t- for to begin to try this you don't want to try it too early because it would just be a bit frustrating sometimes a, l- a little whisper a silent whisper in the mind for instance rapture one of the translations of PT or bliss or whatever, or PT if you, if you want Pali, just like a grain of something into the chitta, and it does its magic. The mind, as samadhi gets deeper and deeper, the mind becomes more and more suggestive. Very, very subtle suggestions actually ha- work their magical power. But all this needs enough familiarity you don't like I said, you don't want to try it too early or put too much pressure on this is the sort of thing that in one to one interviews i might I might wait till I suggest this to a person you get the sense, and sometimes you can sometimes I'm find myself more aware that it's available it's like it's almost that like you can feel it I- in them, but the person hasn't realized that it's just available yet so why don't you try this um, eventually you can Begin like I described in the walking period. Actually, you can begin your sittings that way. You can begin, uh, begin with PT, begin with the first jhana, or if the third jhana is your uh, learning edge playground, you begin with the third jhana. This very very subtle intention, etc. Now, of course, sometimes while you're still working on that, sometimes you're going to try it, and you y- you know, okay, rapture. Okay, rapture. <laughs> 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 Come on now, you know. Five ten minutes max if it 's not igniting it 's not igniting fine back to the back to the base practice, but in time this this becomes more than anything else the way you get into jhana. you just remember it, you just have this subtlest of intention, um, so this, as I said, is part of part of uh, part of the the, the, the the elements of mastery. Um, we have to be careful with energy here because one of the functions of the base practice or the springboard practice is actually that it gives energy. You build energy through it. So if you just start right away with the PT, sometimes it will go for a little while, but the whole sitting will be it will be sooner in the sitting when you kind of run out of it. Sometimes, other times not. So it kind of it's a bit the analogy I use sometimes is like a, a long jumper ha- needs a run up, but but. It doesn't w- again, it's one of those analogies that really doesn't work when you think about it. <laughs> 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 because there are some long jumpers that don't need run-ups sometimes. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, I'll rework that one. Um, but, but the base practice functions sometimes. In other words, we, sometimes we might find the PT, right? Great. But then 15 minutes later, it's all just dissipated. We didn't have enough energy built up from the base practice. But it's still worth playing with. At that point, okay, go back to the base practice doesn 't matter what 's more what 's more important here is the malleability you know um, so when you get to that point, and again you, need t- you don't don 't hurry all this some people it 's like you have, you know they 're hearing all this and they want to try it immediately and it 's too soon other people um they, oh, i couldn 't possibly do that that sounds completely advanced and outlandish, and actually they 're ready for it. So talk with us about it, you know, try a little bit. It's all very light, but probably wait for these things. And at first, not every time, just occasionally try. Okay, I'm going to my sitting now, and let's see if I can get it just by subtle intention, but not every time. Um, eventually it is possible. Um, okay, then I'm sitting and it's all going really well. W- what do I, what do, I do? Uh, or how do? What do I do then? I sit, and I sit more. And I sit more. I basically sit as long as it's good, and good means as long, primarily, as good as this jhana is good. Marinate. So yes, there's a place for moving quickly between jhanas, but that's got a very minor place. Much more, we want to marinate. Sit as long as this uh, jhana is sustainable and feels good. So this this marination business is so important. You know, um, we want to work towards like. So, you know, let's say a minimum, minimum, I'm able to sit in really nice PT, really pretty absorbed for an hour. Let, let's just throw something like that out, for a minimum, if I don't have to go to my work job or, or whatever it is. If I'm, if I'm, you know, zipping through one to eight, let's say, I, can d- I just zip through one to eight and then I come back down eight to one, and that's my practice, and I practice the jhanas. My question is, is that making much difference to your life? Really honestly ask yourself, is that making much difference? What difference is it making? How much difference? And if it's not, why are you you practicing that way? Why would I keep doing that? Maybe someone's taught me that way, maybe that's my understanding of the text or whatever, but why? The point of all this is to make a difference, a real, profound, liberating, beautiful difference. A whole depth of resource and all the other stuff we talked about. So m- the marination is what's going what's pr- one of the primary things that will really make the difference. So I am sitting as long as I can with my, in my playground. M- let's say that is the PT of the first jhana. And then at some point, th- I start to run out of batteries, the whole thing. My energy goes a little bit. Um, so either the PT begins to subside, mind starts to get a bit more distracted, or areas of the body start to get uncomfortable. Uh, pain or whatever. Is it possible to resurrect it? So I've run out of batteries, but sometimes it's almost like you get you get a little emergency supply somewhere that you can that you can uh, tap into, and I just resurrect the PT, find a way, and it comes back for some minutes, perhaps. Maybe you know this is all very variable. Maybe you get a couple of shots at sort of an extra five or ten minutes just by resurrecting it. So just the fact that it disappeared doesn't mean. You can't somehow find a way to get it back. Um, maybe that involves going back to your base or springboard practice, etc. But at a certain point, it's like, okay, there's no more juice in the tank. It's not going to come back. Um, then, time to do something different. Either you get up, you do walking meditation, standing meditation, or you just go and have a cup of tea. Go and relax, rest the citta, Um Appreciate. Look at the beauty outside. Put put the mind in that just restful, open, light gratitude. Maybe it's time for your yoga practice or whatever it is. Maybe you go for a walk. But there will be there will be times in this kind of practice where you need to rest. You just need to rest. If we're doing it this way, sit, walk, sit, walk, sit, walk. You actually need to rest and recharge. <coughs> so, again you have to be a little careful about the pacing of when you, when you begin to try this stuff. But eventually, as I mentioned, part of mastery is that you can go for a walk, not just walking meditation, but you can go for a walk in your bubble of PT and giving that the primary attention. Or you can go for a walk in your bubble of peacefulness of the third jhana or stillness of the fourth jhana, whatever and your primary focus is on that quality that primary quality stillness peacefulness pt whatever it is and you're really enjoying it and you're not really having to w- worry about where the feet place themselves etc so again when is it time to introduce this introduce trying to play with this you can talk to us and find out uh, or just try it you don't want to put too much pressure and you have to be a little careful with the pacing here but at first it's all just it's all just games so uh, okay, let's see if I can walk from here to that tree over there in pt and maybe it's you know fifty yards or whatever it doesn't matter I um, mean gradually you can extend that, but that this is part of the the fun part of the um playing and part of the mastery no pressure, very light it's really it's really just pl- playfulness um let's say you're sitting and um it's Time to come out the jhana now. I, you know, the lunch bell goes, and it's like, if you're into it, it's like, who cares about lunch? Um, and that's a very healthy response. And then there's something you remember: oh, I have the lunch wash up to do, so I need to, I need my lunch. So, so then, okay, I need to end. And uh, coming out. So sometimes, at, f- at first, coming out of a jhana, you need to do it quite slowly because it's really quite an altered state. And so, if you just open your eyes and jump up, it might be, it might be a bit disorienting, jarring. So when you are when you're new to certain states, I would suggest quite coming out quite gradually. But secondly, as part of that, sometimes, why don't you see if it is possible to kind of keep the Jhanic quality around? Um, keep a connection with that and have that even be the primary focus. So, okay, I am going now to lunch or whatever it is. Am I sitting? Open the eyes. As I open the eyes, I'm I'm still really in touch with the PT. If we're talking about the first jhana, whatever it is, um, as I get up, still as I move, move out. Maybe as I move out, I I begin to lose it. So I just stop a little bit, see if I can get it back, and move it again, move again. Um, again, it's all it's all um, playfulness. I'll say this again, but when we get to the higher jhanas, or l- you don't need to go, uh, you don't need to come out in sequence. So right now we are talking about the first jhana. Let's say you are working on the third jhana. When you come out, you do not need to go, okay, two, one, three, two, one. You do not need to do it, just as you do not need to get, you do not need to go one, two, three to get into the third jhana. So sometimes you can do that, that is just because that is the game you have decided to play that day. Otherwise, you could do three, one, two, and then come out, or whatever, or three to zero, or whatever. But you certainly do not need to do that. Okay, a couple of things, in a way, implicit in what I've said, but I, it's so important. A um, couple of things about effort, um, patience, and perseverance. Um, things: The more you do this, the more you realize that the state of the chitta and the perception, um, there can be quantum jumps in a split second in, in this kind of practice, um, often unexpectedly nothing's really happening nothing is really happening suddenly there's an opening if i'm getting dejected and despondent when nothing is happening and i'm getting impatient and i'm kind of giving up the uh, alertness and and f- refinement of my antennae that very attitude will prevent these quantum jumps happening because i've turned something off but if if you can keep them alive, in other words, don't get sucked into impatience, don't get sucked into a view of, oh, this am terrible or whatever, um, then you're entirely there and it's really quite remarkable how quickly things can shift. There's just a quantum leap and suddenly a door is there and you can go through it. So that's part patience and perseverance because that kind of thing is possible. But patience and perseverance with playfulness, is really, really important. Meaning, Um, Do I need to be a bit more active here? Do I need to kind of bump up the sense of presence, uh, the aliveness? Do I um, need to make sure my antennae are attentive uh, to subtleties? Do I need to try different things? Um, Do I need to play with the subtle effort levels a bit more, a bit less? So patience and perseverance, but with playfulness. And always this question, what needs emphasizing? What needs prioritizing right now? Right now in this moment, what needs emphasizing? What needs priori- prioritizing? Is it in this moment, or for this little stretch of time, that uh, the concentration, the stability of attention is what needs uh, on the object, on the breath, or the primary nimitta, the PT, or whatever? Is that, is that what needs the emphasis right now, the priority? Or is it the subtlety of attention that needs the emphasis and the priority now? Or is it the surrendering? Or is it the spreading? Or is it the maximizing of the enjoyment moment to moment? These are all different emphases. Okay, now for this little stretch in this in this practice period, that's what I'm emphasizing, or that's what needs emphasizing. This is what I mean by a kind of playfulness, ma- uh, agility, responsiveness, willingness. Some of you might have heard um, the instruction uh, to review a jhana after you're out. Has anyone heard that before? A couple of people, yeah. Um, so, this a little bit gets interpreted different ways, but I'd w- I say one of the things is, uh, one of the questions to ask is, was there anything new that I learned there? Was there anything new for me? Anything helpful that I learned? In other words, there's something. Happened that felt like it was an opening, an improvement, a deepening, or whatever in some way. Was it anything different that I did, perhaps? Anything at all? And just to remember it at that point before you get up, and try it again. I mean it might have been a coincidence, it might not have been that thing, but it might be, yes, that it was that thing that you did, or did differently, or a different weighting, or emphasis, or whatever. In the larger scale of things, you might want to check, am I neglecting the first and second jhana, for instance? So it is more of a macroscopic checking, reviewing. Sometimes what you often hear is, part of the reviewing of a jhana after a jhana is to review the fact of its impermanence. So lest you mistake a jhana for a permanent thing. Um, I find that a little puzzling because it is completely obvious, or it should be completely obvious that it is impermanent. It should be completely obvious, or it becomes much more obvious with time that it's also not an achievement of the self. A jhana is uh, dependent on certain causes and conditions coming together. And the more you practice, the more that should become glaringly obvious. There's actually very little danger to get attached to to expecting a jhana to be permanent and, and also very little danger to kind of the self getting grandiose. I I think, Um, so it is dependent on causes and conditions. Ajana is also, so it is definitely impermanent, it is dependent on causes and conditions, it is also empty. In terms of its, the the deeper levels of its emptiness, don't do that yet, don't contemplate its emptiness yet, even some of you won't quite know what that means, but if you are familiar with emptiness practice, leave that aside. It is something we will come back to later as an option. And that is not part of reviewing um, a jhana. And also, it is microscopic impermanence. Don't do not do that either. That, that will not be helpful at this point. We don't want to deconstruct jhanas too soon. We want to let them construct. Um, decon- deconstructing a jhana too soon is really like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I have actually missed the point. We can always deconstruct later. Um, what we want is actually to consolidate to see it and experience it as something continuous and homogeneous, not impermanent with lots of holes in it and not full of its opposite uh, etc okay, last thing outside of formal practice and perhaps when you're doing your work job or you're just you know having shower or whatever you're doing. Um, you know there are times when the chitta needs to rest. You really need to not put too much pressure on it. Um, but there's a spectrum there because still you can have quite a a kind of a light contact or light presence, light sense of the presence of the, of the primary jhana factor, the pt or whatever. But the whole flavour of that can be if, if so. Either you can completely rest, just let the whole thing go. Or you can be like, I'm moving down the corridor really in this PT, or or going for a walk in this PT. Or you can just be moving around with just a light sense of the flavor of of the primary jana factor, Uh, whether it's PT or Sukkru or whatever it is. Generally speaking, the whole sort of tone and uh, tenor of the practice outside of sitting should be really quite light, really quite easy, uh, open. Just this light mindfulness, open, light, easy. That's the that's the vibe of things. We also, outside of formal sittings, and again, remember, all this is jhana practice, all of it. Um, we also want to be vigilant to the the coming and going of the hindrances, okay. Um, and not take them personally, if that's possible, and not believe them. But we're we're aware because they come and they're really they're like poison darts. The hindrance comes and it spreads its poison in, into the chitta, and then it starts colouring the view of the self. It starts colouring the view of other people. It starts colouring the view of the perception, the view of the retreat. So chit- uh, hindrances are like poison darts. We need to be really quite aware when they're around. Not believe them. Not take them personally. Okay. So that's good. I, I got through we got through what I was intending. So that what that means for tomorrow is I may well be in. Um, or depending on what happens at the hospital I may not be in. But at least we've done we've done that. Um. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Seed, please visit DharmaSeed.org slash donate.